The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Since yesterday, we have confirmed 22 new cases of COVID 19. This means that 119 cases have now been identified in our province. We suspect that six of these cases are community transmission. Our website does say seven. However, additional investigation has uncovered links for the one case. So again, it's now six cases of community transmission. Of the 119 cases, six individuals are receiving treatment in hospital with three now in intensive care units. One previously diagnosed case was admitted to the ICU yesterday. All others are recovering in isolation at home with support from public health officials. As committed, aggregate data showing cases by age range and zone, as well as by local geographic areas, is now available online at alberta.ca forward slash COVID-19. As of this morning, the online self-assessment tool that Alberta Health Services has provided has been accessed more than 1.3 million times. And to date, we have performed close to 15,000 tests. Per capita, we are testing more than any jurisdiction in North America. And just to put that in perspective, that means we have done one test for approximately every 290 Albertans. Our lab is doing amazing things, as are our healthcare providers who are doing contact tracing, those who are operating HealthLink phone lines, and those who are running the assessment centres. With respect to community transmission, yesterday I mentioned that we did have some concerns that I was going to speak more about today. Current information indicates that two of these cases are in Calgary and three in Edmonton who do not have obvious sources of their illness. In addition, one case in North Zone seems to have acquired infection while in Edmonton. This is concerning and we are working to make sure that our testing and our testing availability is adjusted to make sure that we are understanding where cases of transmission are happening. As I mentioned before, we have been doing community tests for just over 10 days now, and we will continue to optimize the balance between testing people who've traveled and testing those who are sick but have not. One particular exposure I want to highlight today is that multiple cases of COVID-19 have been reported from attendees at the Pacific Dental Conference held in Vancouver from March 5th to 7th. As has been reported, we know that cases have been identified from that conference in other provinces across the country, and we have had over seven cases to date and more continue to be identified. Therefore, I am asking that all individuals who attended the Pacific Dental Conference self-isolate immediately, even if feeling well, and stay isolated until 14 days have passed from the conclusion of that conference. That would be March 22nd. Individuals who attended the conference and currently have symptoms should continue to stay home and complete the self-assessment tool online at ahs.ca forward slash COVID to arrange for testing and further instructions. Do not go to the hospital or your family doctor for assessment. As a result of these confirmed cases, the Alberta Dental Association and College announced yesterday a mandatory suspension of all non-emergency dental treatment and services. Emergency dental treatment will continue. Yesterday, we also announced that all non-urgent scheduled and elective surgeries in Alberta are being postponed. Alberta Health Services is continuing to contact Albertans 
scheduled for procedures and will reschedule as soon as possible. Urgent and emergency surgery, as well as oncology and scheduled cesarean procedures, will continue. The decision to postpone elective surgeries and procedures was made by AHS staff to ensure that AHS has the equipment, the staff, and the beds available for the expected increased demand on our healthcare system caused by COVID-19. This is not just about increasing bed capacity. We need adequate numbers of frontline healthcare workers, as well as personal protective equipment to handle the anticipated demand. This is a precautionary measure to ensure that we have the resources necessary to respond quickly as the rate of hospitalization is anticipated to increase. Later this afternoon, Alberta Health Services is moving to further restrict visitors to hospitals and care centres to protect patients and the most vulnerable. All visitors will need to be completely symptom-free and only one visitor will be allowed at a time. Children will be restricted from visiting. Children do not necessarily show symptoms of COVID-19 or have very mild symptoms. Exceptions for children will be reviewed and approved by unit managers or nursing staff on a case-by-case basis for exceptional circumstances only. If you have an illness that can be transmitted with symptoms including fever, cough, loose stools, a rash, or generally feeling unwell, you cannot visit a loved one in the hospital. You will not be allowed in. If you are on self-isolation for COVID-19, or if you are being tested for COVID-19, you cannot visit a loved one in hospital. If you have tested positive for COVID-19, you cannot visit and will not be allowed to visit until you have recovered and received clearance from medical officials. If you are unable to visit, please use other methods to be in touch with your loved one, such as a phone call, video calling, or FaceTime. We recognize that this will likely be difficult for families and loved ones, but we must do all we can to minimize the risk of infection to our residents and staff. As you heard earlier from the Premier, the effects of COVID-19 are widespread and unprecedented. COVID-19 has forced us to make some extremely difficult decisions. We have had to weigh lives against livelihoods. And in order to save lives, I have had to make recommendations that will take away livelihoods for many Albertans over the next several weeks to months. I know that many Albertans are suffering as a result of these measures and I ask that we all reach out to our neighbours and networks over the next while with compassion and support. We need to support not just those who may be infected with COVID-19 or self-isolating, but also those who have been impacted in other ways, through lost jobs or less income, as a result of the measures we have needed to put in place to slow down the spread of this virus. There are no easy solutions to the situation we are in not just in Alberta, but around the world. We need to face this together and respond to this extraordinary crisis with extraordinary kindness. While the measures we have taken are necessary and required to contain COVID-19, it does not make them any easier. I take these decisions very seriously and the repercussions will be felt in all aspects of our lives and society. The days and months ahead will be difficult for all of us. We are all needed in this response, and the actions each of us take are important to pulling through together. As an example, 
I want to share some good news stories with you. In several of the most recent cases that have been reported to me, returning travelers had followed all advice, self-isolated on return, and then called HealthLink for testing. When their positive result came back, they had few or no contacts who were at any risk because of the decisions they had made to stay home and away from others. If you are self-isolating right now, let me say thank you. Your actions are life-saving for others. It is this kind of action that we all need to take, whether or not we have returned from traveling. Stay home when sick, stay home for 14 days after returning from outside the country, and support others to do the same. We will get through this together. Thank you, and I'm happy to take questions. Do you know the ages and conditions of these people who are in the ICU and the other three in hospital? So, uh, I know that those in the ICU, two are in their 60s and one in their 40s. Uh, I know the one in their 40s has uh, pre-existing medical conditions. I don't have information on the other hospitalized patients right now. We can get that for you as well. Uh, Dylan and then Julie. Sorry, can I just have a quick follow-up? Based on ages, one person reached out to me and said they're surprised to see most cases I think it was revealed yesterday between about 35 and 54. I think a lot of people are expecting these patients to be a lot older, and we saw very few in that age range. Do you have a theory of why that is so far? Or? So the vast majority of our cases are in returning travelers and their close contacts. So what we're seeing are the people who vacationed over the course of uh, sort of late February-ish and then returned. And so, again, most of those people are people in that age range who took their vacations at that time. I imagine as we start seeing uh, older populations returning, perhaps from being abroad or in the U.S. during the, the winter time, we may then see that age shift. Uh, but again, it's really reflecting who has traveled because most of our cases are in travelers. And I want to emphasize just on that point that while the risk of severe cases is higher in the elderly and those with chronic conditions, even sometimes young and otherwise healthy people can sometimes get severe disease. So this is not a disease that anyone should take lightly. Dylan, and then Julie. Yeah, um, the Premier recently, or just before you came up, said that he expects the virus to peak in four or five weeks, and hopefully he's after that. I was wondering if you have any follow-up or any statement on, on that timeline. So what we're doing to try to anticipate is looking at modelling data. And anyone who's ever worked with mathematical models knows that you try to get you the best data that you can and the assumptions that you can and then you plug them into the model and it, it shows you what might happen. And so right now we're operating with data where we look for other jurisdictions like uh, France, Italy or the UK, uh, looking at other countries around the world that have seen uh, an uptick in their cases and then we're trying to anticipate if we had a similar rise, what would that look like here? So. It's, it's a projection that has all sorts of assumptions built into it. Um, it really does assume that we're able to control the spread of the virus. Uh, but at the moment, that's our projection, is that we, we could see around mid-April the peak for right now. But as I said yesterday, what we don't know is where we go from there, because previously when we've had new respiratory viruses, most of this has been influenza, we've seen a second peak in the fall. And so even though we may see a rise in a fall then in the spring and going into summer, there could be another wave of this coming later. Excellent. 
I'm hoping to get an update on 811. We heard over the weekend it was about 6,300 calls per day. What are we looking at now? Has that gone up? Has it gone down at all? I wonder, Dr. Jaffe, do you have, you don't have that data yet? We can get the, the data. I, again, know a health link continues to be extremely busy. I know that people are calling and not able to get through because the lines are all full and that people are waiting on hold. I, I recognize it's very frustrating, um, but again, it's part of this extraordinary response. And so I would say to Albertans who are trying to get through and haven't been able to yet, if they are experiencing mild symptoms, uh, that they can do the right thing. Even without talking to HealthLink, even without a lab test, they can stay home and self-isolate and continue trying to make that call uh, or using the online assessment tool because it may be, for example, we, we hear that sometimes people call HealthLink very worried, but they don't actually have any symptoms. So if they have no symptoms, they're feeling completely well, uh, then there's no need for them to be tested. And so if they go through that online tool, sometimes it helps reassure people that they don't actually need to speak with someone on HealthLink. So the online tool is a great first step. And then if it, if it suggests that calling HealthLink is wise, again, I, I just ask for patience. I know it's difficult, uh, but people can stay home when they're sick, even without HealthLink or testing. And just a quick follow-up. I know some other provinces are moving to um, no visitors at all in their hospitals. Why are we still allowing, um, allowing people, even if they're symptom-free, to be visiting hospitals? So these kinds of decisions are always uh, a risk trade-off. Um, we know that... Albertans who are in hospital uh, are obviously suffering because they're there for health reasons. And we know that having family and friends can be something that helps them get through. So we're trying to balance the needs of patients for having that kind of support from family members with wanting to limit the spread of infection. And so that's why those symptom checks, making sure that we're limiting the number of people. And again, unfortunately, I know this can be difficult, but not allowing children to come in are the measures we believe are prudent at this time. And if at some point we feel that we need to move towards further restrictions, we would do so. But again, trying to balance the, the needs of patients and family members against um, limiting the spread of virus. And just quickly, what would be that tipping point then? Well, I think if we were seeing further community transmission, um, that might be a, a trigger for making further reductions. But again, at this point, we're, we're trying to balance the, the needs and concerns of all involved. We're going to go to the phone, guys, and then come back to the room. Uh, operator, could you patch through the first question? Yes, the first question is from Karen Levitz from the Toronto Star. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Hey, Dr. Inshaw. Um, I've been hearing from some teachers who are finding themselves concerned around school boards asking them to come into the school still, even though classes are canceled. Um, and some of them are, are quite large schools, and obviously these mandates kind of change from school board to school board, um, and I realize it's kind of up to the school board, but I'm just wondering from a public health standpoint, what uh, what you might say to those teachers who are still sort of required to go in and, and work in the schools. So. The reason that we chose the mechanism for restricting access to schools, we did not close schools legally. We prohibited classes from taking place. And the reason that we did that is that we wanted to enable schools to be able to continue to provide education to students uh, and to do that in a way that didn't have students congregating together. 
So I'm not sure how different school boards are choosing to make that happen. But if teachers are going into the schools, as long as they're self um, or social distancing, so they're staying at least two meters away from others, hand sanitizer, uh, if it's just teachers in the schools and no one else, again, the, the risk to those individuals would be considered to be low because, again, there would be very small numbers. So it really is up to those school boards to determine how they want to handle uh, again, the ability to provide support to students so that they can continue learning even though those classes are closed. Excellent. And a friendly reminder, if you do have uh, questions that are not health-related, we can definitely connect you with someone if uh, you need. Operator, could you patch through another question, please? Yes, this question is from Brianna Carson-Smith of Global News. Your plan is open. Please go ahead. Hi, Dr. Angel. I wanted to ask about the childcare situation to see if that was being looked at again because some daycares are saying that they would like to have six kids if that's what day homes or even the general public is allowed. Is that being looked at? We are working with children's services from a health perspective, and so uh, working to see what kinds of options, for example, essential service providers. We know in other provinces there have been exemptions made to allow uh, daycares to operate for those families so that we're not impeding essential service delivery. And so we are working with children's services, again, from a health perspective. Uh, and so I think at this time we don't have a, a decision, but we are aware of some of these interests and we are working again with the Children's Services Ministry. Take one more on the phone and then we'll come back to the room. Thank you. The next question is from Kevin Nimick of CTV. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Hi, Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, Calgary has more than triple the amount of cases that Edmonton does. Can you speculate why that might be? So there's a couple of things. One is that Calgary has more uh, international travel coming into that city than Edmonton. Uh, and given that, again, the vast majority of our cases are travel related, that's a part of the reason. Uh, we've also had a few clusters in Calgary. So there was one particular home meeting uh, where there was an individual who had come from outside of the country uh, and was in that setting. And there are many people who were attending that particular meeting who have since become symptomatic. And I want to emphasize that in that particular case, no one did anything wrong. So at the time that that meeting happened, that was before we had put our self-isolation recommendations in place for all people coming into the province from outside the country to self-isolate for 14 days. Mm -hmm. So in that particular meeting, it certainly has caused a significant number of additional cases. However, again, I want to emphasize that that wasn't because they were disobeying the rules in place at that time. And I think sometimes we forget when we hear about new cases coming up that things have been moving so quickly and changing day to day and if people followed those recommendations uh, we adjusted based on new evidence but there was some risk before we put the recommendations in place but we have the benefit of hindsight and again the people in that meeting they followed the instructions that we had given at that time and that's partly why we're increasing our uh, measures right now is because we want to be very clear about what we believe is necessary to keep Albertans safe. Um, Dr. Hinshaw, last week you said 26% of cases uh, were from the United States. Do you have a breakdown of, of the cases to date? Where from? Oh, that's a really good question. Can I get back to you on that? Um, I know that of the testing that we're doing, almost half the testing we're doing for returning travelers is those coming from the United States, but I don't have a breakdown on numbers. We can get that, but we can get that to you. And then yeah. a second question for Dr. Johnson. Um, we're hearing reports in other provinces of supplies that are being stolen from hospitals. Are we seeing that here in Alberta and, and what do you have to say about that? So thank you for that question. I have not heard any specific 
indications that our supplies are going missing. I do know that we are going through increased supplies in some of our settings. That would be expected given the, the circumstances. Uh, what I would say to Albertans is, and I'm going to say this clearly, we have your backs within Alberta Health Services. We will be caring for Albertans when they need care. We have your backs. We need you to have our backs. So if supplies are going missing, I urge Albertans to think twice. We need those supplies to help care for Albertans who will be in hospital. Uh, either one of you guys can answer this one, I think. But uh, the Premier just came out here and said he feels the province has enough ventilators. I'm not sure if he commented on ICU beds, uh, but he said the one thing he believes the province needs right now is qualified people to work these, you know, ventilators and special equipment like that. Uh, would you agree with him? Thank you for that question. We are, uh, as I've said in the last couple of days, we are in the midst of intensive planning. We have a group that is dedicated exactly to that issue to ensure that we secure the space that we will need. We know that we will need more space. We do have equipment, and uh, so we are securing the space, planning for that need that we anticipate will increase over the next few weeks, and at the same time ensuring that we will have the personnel that we need in order to care for Albertans who may need that care.